0: As always, I'm delighted to be here with you today. It is about 85 degrees in Seattle, which is at least 10 degrees hotter than my melting point. So I'm sitting in my basement office where it is the coolest part of the house, but I'm still... Oh, it's so hot. I don't like it hot. I don't know how you people in the midwest and the south handle like i know it's probably like 105 and humid for some of you i don't do humidity and i don't do wind i also really try to not do anything lower than like 55 degrees or greater than 75 degrees so you can tell i'm born and raised in the pacific northwest because my ability to adapt to weather not so great so while i sit here melting We have a lot of things to cover. First, I want to just say thank you, thank you, thank you for all of your sweet feedback, specifically on Facebook. I have in my last episode, I talked about our big decision to proceed with IVF. So that's been exciting. We went in this week and we went in on Thursday morning. So today is Friday. I'm recording this. It will be released on Monday. So this will be couple day old information by the time you get it. But uh, we went on Thursday and got the go ahead that everything looked good. I have to tell you, I was so nervous. So a lot of you saw I posted on Facebook. So if you're not on Facebook with us, please head over to the Shameless Mom Academy page called the Shameless Mom Academy. And if you go over to that page, you'll see I posted a picture of the sign above the check-in desk at the University of Washington Reproductive Clinic, where I've spent a large part of my life for the last few months. So I posted that on Facebook and I got so many great comments and I got some private messages and just really sweet, sweet words of support that I appreciate so much. So we went in on Thursday and I was so nervous. I knew I was going in for this appointment and the goal of the appointment was to see if I had gone through like a month of suppression, what they call suppression. So they put you on birth control pills to get your system suppressed so that when they go to put you on the IVF drugs, they can get like all of your follicles to produce eggs at the same time. So they can maximize how many eggs they're going to take out for an egg retrieval. And so that's kind of like the egg retrieval is one of the big steps of going through IVF and they try to get as many eggs as they can. And so my protocol, and different people have different protocols, but for my protocol, they suppressed me first. So they put me on suppression with birth control pills. And so like when I went in yesterday, they're like, oh, your ovaries are so quiet. And I was like, what the hell does that mean? Because I don't notice that they're ever loud. But I was laying on the table. I was so nervous. I just like, this is (laughs) the nature of a type A nerd. I was like, I just want them to say I did a good job. Like all I've had to do for the last month is swallow a birth control pill every night. And I'm like, I just want them to say I did a good job. And I did everything right. And so like, I'm laying there like literally fighting back tears because I'm so worried that they're going to say like, I messed something up. And they're like, yeah, your ovaries are really quiet. Everything looks great. And so they got my follicle count, which is eight. And for those of you who have done IVF, you know, that is not spectacular or outstanding. I have a diminished ovarian reserve due to my age. So yeah, so yay me, like, but eight isn't that far off from what I've had in the past. So we've been tracking this over the course of months now. So we kind of know like what my averages are. So it's a little lower than normal. And they think that could be because of the suppression. Hopefully it'll pop up a little bit. So if you have any ovarian juju to send me, please do. I am taking all sorts of fertility and ovarian juju. For the next couple of weeks, so I got the go ahead at that point. And they did some labs as well, and the labs all came back normal range. And so they were like, "Okay, you can start your IVF drugs." So tonight, Friday night, I get to start my first two injections. I'm kind of excited. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not scared of needles. I mean, I am a little nervous about like jabbing myself and I had to go, they did this like teaching thing on how to do the needling or how to do the injections. And they were like, in my mind, I was like, oh, you just put it in like a tiny bit. Like you don't have to shove like two inches worth of needle into you. Oh no, you have to shove like two inches worth of needle into you. So I'm super curious to see how this goes. Like I said, I'm not scared of needles, but it's a very weird thing. So we start that tonight and then we just see what happens for the next six days. I do these injections and then I go back in on Wednesday. I guess it's not six days. It's, it's five or six days. I don't remember. But anyways, I go back in on Wednesday and check get things all checked out. At any point, there's like a million points in this process where they could just be like, yeah, things aren't going the way we thought. We're going to go ahead and push pause for right now. Maybe we'll start over another cycle. Or they could get all the way to the egg retrieval and then not get any eggs. Or I mean, there's just like all these things that can go wrong. So I'm very nervous still. And people probably wonder like, why would you put this all out there then? If you're nervous about this, like, why are you sharing it with the world? Part of it's my nature and like I'm a pretty outgoing person and I do like sharing my stories, but also a big part of it is that, There's a lot of women who struggle with infertility and they struggle in silence and they keep their stories to themselves and they sit and they cry over and over and over. And I know that I have read so many stories over the years and been on so many different forums and read other people's experiences that have been helpful to me that I am more than happy to share my experience, especially because at this point I'm invested in this for sure, but I already have a child. And so, you know, when I was trying to get pregnant with Vinny, I was very quiet about all that it was very emotionally traumatic trying to get pregnant that first time. This time I will be upset if this does not work. It will not be the end of the world. With Vinny, everything felt like the end of the world. And so I feel like I'm in a position to talk about this because I'm not as tied to the outcome as I was the first time. I feel like my life can be complete as it is if it works out that way. My life will be more complete and more chaotic and more overwhelming and like just more stressful for, you know, the next 18 years or so if this actually works. But I'm also hoping that there's some magic that comes with that and that there will also be a lot of joy if it works. So that's where I'm at with all of that. Today's episode, I'm going to talk to you about six ways to mentally prepare for anything. And the reason I wanted to talk about this is because I think this is a lot of what I've been doing in the last couple months as we've been trying to figure out like, are we going to do this? Or are we not going to do this with this whole IVF thing? So I'm going to relate a lot of what I'm talking about today to my experience with IVF because that's where this has been most pertinent to me most recently. But I also want to say for sure that this episode is not about IVF. That is not my intentional focus of the episode. My focus of this episode is that for you to be able to take these six tips and apply them to anything that you're mentally preparing for. So I'm going to use it, my current example of preparing for IVF, for a lot of the talking points. But I want you to be able to say, you know, if you have like a professional transition coming up, or if you have, you know, if you're pregnant and about to have a baby. I know I have some pregnant listeners out there, and I'm so excited for you. And I also know I. have some secret pregnant listeners. I've been getting emails from people who are like, oh my gosh, like we're five weeks along or six weeks along. We haven't been telling people and like, because we're so nervous and people who've had long fertility journeys and stuff. So all my secret pregnant listeners, I'm especially listening for you guys, especially pulling for you guys. And so I wanted to prepare this episode for just anyone who has something big coming up. Maybe you're preparing to send your kids to a new school or maybe your kids are going from grade school to middle school or middle school to high school. Anything that's coming up big in your life in the next few months. These are tips that you can use to work through that and kind of prepare in advance. So these are the things I've been doing and I actually have to say like I'm not a super zen person. You can probably tell I talk loud, I talk fast, like pressured speech is probably one of the many signs that I'm a type A person. I'm not a person that goes into things with like a super like whatever's gonna be is gonna be kind of an attitude. I'm like, how can I control this and make it be my way about things? But I have to say the last month I've been the most zen I've been in like the last two years. And it's because I've been practicing some of these things and it's because I've been really focusing on how can I prepare for this in the best way possible so that while I'm going through this, I hopefully get that desired outcome because what often happens if you are not well prepared for something mentally is as you're going through it, you kind of screw yourself up. Like you get in your own way and you create extra stress. If you're not prepared for some of the potential twists and turns, you can really get thrown off course. And so I've been really working in the last month or so to be like well rested and caught up on sleep and decreasing stress in my life and just doing things that I'm not a huge fan of the hustle as you know but there's times when you do have to hustle and I've been really backing off on like this is not a period of hustle for me maybe my ovaries are going to be hustling but the rest of me is trying to like chill the heck out a little bit. So I've really been trying to de-stimulate a lot of areas of my life so that the part of my life and the part of my body that needs to be stimulated during IVF, which is literally, they call it stimulation when you're on the drugs, that will actually work out the way it's intended to work out, that I won't get in my own way. I won't be overly stressed. That's not to say I won't be nervous. I think I'll probably go to the doctor every single time, like fighting off tears, because that's just who I am. A little bit overly emotional. So, okay. Six ways to mentally prepare for anything. The first and foremost, you can't be tied to outcomes. And I'm going to put that as the first one. And then I'm going to say, that's also the one that you probably won't be able to do at all. So this has been a big, big thing for me lately. And this is actually, I mean, in so many situations, I get really excited about something if I think it's going to go a certain way. And then I am like crushed if it doesn't go that way. So you guys have heard me talk about moving my gym last year. And it was a huge thing that took up a year of my life. And in that process, so Seattle real estate is insane. And uh, it's very much on par with like San Francisco real estate. And it's just, oh my gosh, I could spend many episodes talking about it. And I won't bore you with that. But what happened in the course of moving the gym, I had like three different deals fall through. And the first one I was like all in. I mean, I was so invested in this place and I was willing to put a ridiculous amount of money on the line to make this work because I was really desperate to find a location and I was really scared. And so I was in this situation and I had gone to my potential new landlords, I guess, and owners of the building And I had told them there were some things that we had to overcome in terms of like getting the space. It was a brand new building, but we had to do some special stuff for fire code if I was going to be there as a fitness facility and all this stuff. And I was just throwing money. I was like, I'll put in whatever I need to put in and I'll give you $30,000 for this and whatever. And like all this stuff. And as I was saying it, I was like, Oh my God, like, I hope I can make that work. (laughs) Like I was nervous, but I was like, I'll do anything. So I was so tied to this outcome that like I had to make this work. This was the only place that was going to work. And so I went through all these steps with them and we had everything all set up. I had multiple, it was like everything was laid out and I went on vacation and I feel like we had a couple things even signed off on at that point. But none of the like super final lease agreements were signed off on. We just had like some tentative things signed off on. But I very much felt like the owners of the building were super nice and super friendly. So I felt like this was like in the bag. I was putting a lot of money into it. I was nervous about that, but I felt like it was in the bag. So I get this call while I'm in Mexico on this vacation that I was so excited to go on. And I was so at peace knowing that like this gym thing was taken care of. And I get a call five days into our trip and my real estate agent is like, yeah, they're backing out. And they're like, they're furious with the situation and they're backing out. And I was like, like, what? They're furious. with that, And they were like mad at me about a bunch of stuff. They were mad at my architect. It was like the weirdest thing. And I think they just totally got cold feet about some of the changes we were going to have to make to the building to make it up to code for fitness. Totally understandable. The way they went about it was weird and kind of like short-sighted, but I was devastated. I like couldn't sleep, couldn't eat. Like, Oh my God, what are we going to do? Like, I don't have anywhere else to move this gym. Cause I was so tied to that outcome. I was like, this has to work. If this doesn't work, I don't have any other options. And that's how I spent the rest of that vacation. Like, and my husband, he was like, please don't let this ruin the rest of the vacation. Like you can get back to the searching process as soon as we get back, like just enjoy these last few days. And I was like, no, I will. I will. And (laughs) I was like fake drinking. Like I'll pretend I'm drinking and having fun. But in my mind, I'm like, freaking out. And so I really had to, after that, not be tied to outcomes. I had more deals fall through after that, like other situations where people and landlords and building owners were like, yeah, we'd love to have you. And then like the next day, like, oh, actually we decided not to blah, blah, blah. Or someone else came in and they gave us a better offer. Like things just kept falling apart.
1: Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence You are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. No one told us the truth about parenthood.
2: Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. So
0: I had to learn to not be tied to outcomes. And this has been also really key in this IVF thing. Like, I can't be tied to outcomes because what they point out to you 1 million times when you go through fertility consultations is that there are no guarantees. They make it so clear. And I was actually texting with a girlfriend of mine who's also going through this and she's doing it in California. I'm up here in Washington and I'm texting her yesterday and I'm like, they just keep telling me there's no guarantees. Like they are so not optimistic. And she's like, I know. She's like, I feel like that's just their job. She's actually going through her second round right now. And she had an unsuccessful first round and so, and she's a listener of the show. So Hi friend, thinking of you. So she's like, that's their job. Like they're just covering themselves. And I was like, I know, but it sucks because like you want to be really positive and like only think good things. And they're just like, well, you know, at any point this might not work. So they make it really clear to not be tied to outcomes, and that has been helpful for me. It's also a little bit depressing because they're like, well, you know, you are gonna be 41 soon, and you know, you have diminished ovarian reserve, and you know, like, and I'm like, yes, I know all that, but I also like, I'm not a person who. I really try to not live my life in fear. I try to always be positive. I try to always be like, I'll do anything I can to make something work if it's important to me. So I'm this like very like go getter, make it work, do what you have to do, kind of a person. (laughs) And then to have the fertility people just be like, we don't know if it's gonna work. And you know, your chances aren't that great. And best case scenarios, only 45%. And like that's if you pull out all the stops and do all the genetic testing and all this stuff. So I've learned to not that I can't be tied to the outcome and which has been helpful. So here's number two, because in learning to not be tied to outcomes, here's what I've done. For number two, I've planned rewards for all potential outcomes. So in this situation, there's two outcomes. We get a baby or we don't get a baby, right? So if we get a baby, that's the reward. As unrewarding as that can be sometimes, and as <laughs> scared as that as I am for some of those things, like the things I've talked about in the past, the nursing, sleeplessness, the barfing, the pooping, the diapers. I mean, my son is like, we're getting out of pull-ups this week. So we will be almost four years in diapers or pull-ups. I counted recently. I changed a poopy diaper every day of my life for over 1000 days in a row. That's a lot of days of waking up and changing a poopy diaper. That's a lot, right? So the positive is that I'll get a baby out of this and I'll get to change 1000, change poopy diapers for another thousand days in a row. And so, the other side of that is if we don't get a baby, how can I have a reward for that? And so, my husband and I were talking about this, and he was like, if we don't get a baby, we're going to Europe. And this is something we've talked about. This has kind of been like our how we've gone about this whole situation is. We've been so undecided about whether or not we wanted a second child. And we were like, you know, what's the life that we could live if we only have one child versus the life we could live if we have two. And I know people who talk about this along the lines of having kids or not having kids. And I had an amazing conversation with a woman a few years ago, and she said that she and her husband, they'd had multiple miscarriages. And as she approached 40, she just was kind of done. She's like, I can't keep torturing myself this way. So they decided to not continue pursuing having children and to live a life that they would never be able to live if they had had children. So they lived in this great house and they drove cars that they loved, like kind of indulgent cars or fancier cars They went on amazing trips every year and they did like had These rescue dogs that they were just obsessed with and they did all these cool things with the dogs And they just did all this really great stuff that they could have never done if they had kids And so this is the kind of the attitude that we're taking that like, okay if we're not going to get a baby out of this we're gonna do the cool things we couldn't do if we had a baby. So, we're gonna go- take our kid and go to Europe. And so, Vinny, you know, by the time he's like five or so, we could do that. That would actually be a really fun trip. And my husband, he's been to Europe. He's traveled around Europe. He knows he was there. It's been a while, but he knows enough to know like we could go this kid friendly. And he is telling me that I've never been to Europe. So, um, but he's telling me that like, you know, there's a lot of places over there that are super kid friendly and they welcome having kids and restaurants and bars and things like that where we wouldn't feel tied to like we have to be in bed every night at seven o'clock with our kid in a hotel room. And so that's kind of our backup plan is like, if we don't get a baby, we're going to Europe or some sort of amazing trip. So we have a reward either way. I'm not saying that we'll be like, you know, yeah, we didn't get a baby. Let's go and get a hop on a plane. There will be some transition in emotions there for sure, but we have something planned either way so that we can be okay with either outcome. So number one, don't be tied to outcomes. And number two, have rewards for all out- planned for all outcomes. Number three, identify all the pros and cons in advance. When you're going into this situation, this thing that you're mentally preparing for, know what's going to be hard, what all the cons are going to be, and then know what's going to be great and identify all those pros and be excited about those things. So for us, what's going to be hard about IVF is there's all sorts of physical ramifications. There's injections and pain. And like, apparently my ovaries are going to swell up to the size of grapefruits or something. I've heard varying stories of how uncomfortable that can be. You can also have something called hyperstimulation, which is incredibly painful. You can actually flip your ovaries, which is super uncommon, but it can happen. And that can be really painful and actually really dangerous. There's an unpredictable schedule. I have to be prepared to go to the doctor for the next two weeks on any given day. They might might call me in for different kinds of blood work and ultrasounds and stuff. So my schedule's just completely on hold for the next couple of weeks. I had to make sure I wasn't traveling or didn't have any like things I couldn't get out of for the next couple of weeks, which is actually like held us up in this process because I wanted to do it a month ago and I couldn't because of some travel. There's injections. I have to give myself self shots every day. Like that's not super pumped about that. Waiting I'm horrible at waiting. So we have to wait at like every phase. Yesterday, I had to wait for the appointment yesterday and see like had been on the pill for five weeks to it do its job. And then I go on these injections tonight and I have to wait for five days. And then I go in in five days to see like, are the injections doing their job? And then... All these appointments, they take your blood in the morning and you get the results in the afternoon to get the go ahead of like, we're going to keep going forward or we're going to stop right here because this isn't working. So there's just a lot of waiting and that is extremely hard for me. I mean, we all like immediate gratification, but I think that I'm potentially even more so than the average person a little more type A and like a redhead, like we like our stuff right away. So that's going to be really hard. But I know that in advance. So I'm trying to like work around that and be really aware of like, how can I pass time on those days? And how can I make the next five days go quickly? And what fun things do I have to look forward to? And then I'm also identifying what's going to be great. So. I get to do some extra resting in the next 10 days. I can't work out because I have to be careful that I don't flip my ovaries. So I'm not working out. I can walk. So I'm really excited to be walking more and listening to more podcasts because that's when I do my podcast catch up is when I walk. So I'm going to do like hour long walks every day. I'm super excited about that. I'm going to have a low key schedule because my schedule, because I have to be ready to go to the doctor any given day. I've kind of cleared things off. So I'm like excited to have this kind of chill, mellow schedule and not have a lot of commitments. I'm looking forward to learning. I really love everything I've learned in the process of infertility. I mean, I will say infertility for us has been a blessing because I have Vinny out of it. You know, Vinny would not have happened if I got pregnant the first time I tried to get pregnant. I would have another baby that would now be like six years old and that would be totally different. But I would never want another baby besides Vinny because Vinny is my most amazing thing that I've ever created. So now I just lost my train of thought. (laughs) So Yeah. So one of the pros of IVF is the learning process. I've really enjoyed learning so much. And I like the aspect of like learning to help others. And so learning and being able to share is actually very rewarding for me. So sharing our infertility process and sharing our infertility story has actually been really w- rewarding and gratifying for me. And it's also very cathartic for me to talk about the things that we've been through. And I really enjoy that. And that has been a very valuable experience for me. So that's a big pro It's like, I get to learn another, like when we started looking into IVF, I was like, totally, totally opposed to it. And I multiple times said, no, I'm not doing that. It's too much. It's too many decisions. I'm no, I can't like, I, that's where I draw the line. And then as we started thinking more and more about it, and it just seemed like if we were going to have another child, it seemed like the only way to really have any sort of good odds, I became a little more open to it. And so as I became more open to it, I was like, well, this is like, I can learn a lot more out of this. And then I have like, my profession, helping other women, and you know whether that's in my gym or whether it's through the podcast, like this is an opportunity for me to grow and have a whole new dimension to my arsenal as someone who helps other women and someone who has gone through fertility stuff and someone who helps other women just be okay with wherever they're at in life. Whether you know we're talking about where they're at in the gym versus where they're at at home with their kid or versus where they're at in their own like place of self doubt or self worth. So that's really valuable to me. And then also another pro is family and friends support. Like it's really gratifying to have your friends and your family cheering for you. And I will say that the first time we went through this, no one knew what we were going through. Like very, very few people knew and they were extremely supportive, but it's different this time because a lot of people know and it kind of feels like we have this like fan club and that feels very different to me. That's like, there's very few times in your life when you get to have everyone rally around you and say like, we're cheering for you and we're on your side. And I really love that. And you know, it happened on my wedding day where I was like, everyone I know who I love is in the same room at the same time. And that'll never happen again until I die. And that I was like, like, talk about being a little bit of a downer on your wedding day. Right. But this is one of those experiences where you're like, everyone that you know, and you care about is cheering for you in one place. And that's a unique life experience. So That was number three, identifying all the pros and cons of the situation. Number four, knowing your strengths and your weaknesses. So it's really important as you are preparing for anything to know your strengths and your weaknesses. Know the limits of your personality. I definitely know mine. And know also the strengths of your personality. So the limits of me, the limits of this situation for me, anxiety and sleeplessness are right at the top. Those are the things I'm most concerned about because I have actually in the last five weeks or so been taking sleep medication that on a nightly basis for the first time in my life. And I've struggled with sleep since I was probably eight years old. And like when I say struggled with sleep, I mean like entire nights of sleeplessness. Like I've struggled with sleep a lot in my life and it runs in my family. And I have tried a million natural things that have worked to varying degrees. But I finally, when we were preparing for IVF, I was like, I want to have a month of like very predictable good sleep. And so I started taking some trazodone and it has been life-changing and I can't take it during while I'm taking the IVF drugs for the next 10 days. And I'm really nervous because I see like for the first time in so many years, for the first time in like five years, probably the first time since I was pregnant, because I slept great when I was pregnant. So the first time since I was pregnant, I'm getting like six to eight hours of sleep at night instead of like two to four or two to six on a good night. So that's been really, really valuable. So I'm very worried about not sleeping for the next couple of weeks. And I'm also very worried about how that will play into my anxiety because I do really struggle with anxiety and sleeplessness and anxiety go hand in hand for me. Like one really fuels and feeds the other. So a little concerned, <laughs> like in my next podcast recording, I might not be totally coherent. I might be really cranky. My fast talking will probably be even faster than normal. So that's one of my limitations. Another limitation for me is patience being patient in these situations is so hard. I originally thought that we were going to go in on Monday to have for my suppression check. And when I went in last week, we're like, oh yeah, we're going to see you on Thursday. And I was like, Thursday, I thought it was on Monday. And I had this like panic of like, oh my gosh, they're moving it three days. Like I have to wait three more days to find out if we're doing this. And we all know that like three days in the grand scheme of having a baby means absolutely nothing. It is a completely negligible amount of time. But When you have been waiting for months, trying to figure out what you're going to do, and in your mind, you just have to make it to this Monday to find out that like, whether you're going to move forward or not three more days was a really long time. And so that is really challenging for me. So I know my limitations are sleeplessness, anxiety, patience and waiting, like those are all gonna be very hard for me. There's also potential for me to be extremely hormonal on these drugs. I don't know what that's going to be like, but that will be a limitation for sure. If that happens, I've heard kind of varying degrees of whether or not that happens to people. So I'm just kind of keeping my eye out for the crazy. And we'll see if that happens. I've warned my husband. So knowing my strengths, I enjoy data collection. So this is like a huge opportunity for data collection. And I'm on the internet, like seeking like other people. Yesterday, I was like, how many other people with eight follicles actually got a baby out of IVF and doing like all of this like pseudo internet research, which by the way, no doctors will ever recommend that you do pseudo internet research, fertility or IVF or any conditions at all. But that doesn't mean that we don't all do it. We all know that we do. So I did a lot of data collection yesterday, but I read a lot of great stories and that was actually super helpful to me and super meaningful to me. And I got to read people's stories of success and people's stories of struggle. And that was all kind of part of my data collection, like hearing and seeing what other people have gone through. Another strength of mine is being 100% invested in a process. Like if I'm going to do something, I do not do it 90%. When I said I was going to have a podcast, I was not like, oh, let's just see what happens. Like I was like, no, I'm going to have a podcast and we're going to have an episode every Monday and Wednesday. And we're going to do that every single week And you'll notice here we are on episode 47. And we have not missed a Monday or Wednesdays since we started, even though there's been plenty of reasons to miss things and plenty of reasons with life's ups and downs and chaos for things to happen. But like, if I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. So being invested is not hard for me. So that's definitely one of my strengths is like I will do every single thing that the doctor says, and I will do it 100%. And if they say I can get extra credit, I will also do the extra credit because I'm a big nerd. Also, staying positive and hopeful. So I'm pretty good at staying positive and hopeful. I'm pretty good at turning my mindset around and like, and, uh, fueling myself in ways that allow me to stay positive and hopeful. And so I've already, you know, I have like my walks all ready to go for the next 10 days or 12 days, depending on how long it is because that's the other thing is like, I don't know exactly how long this process is going to be. It could be 10 days. It could be 14 days. We're not totally sure. It all depends on how I respond to these drugs. But I have my walks laid out and I have, I'm going to do some extra meditations and I have some great books that I'm reading right now. And all these things where I'm like, oh, this will all really help me stay positive and like stay focused on positive things and stay hopeful. So I'm totally looking forward to all those things. So those are my strengths right now. These are the the things that are going to help me cope as I'm going through all this, kind of no matter what happens, I can use these as coping skills. So Number five, identify your support system. No matter what you're going into, make sure you know who has your back and let them know what you're going through and let them know like the full story. So of course, my husband knows everything that's going on. My mom knows what's going on. We have a number of friends who know what's going on. You know, I decided to tell the whole world on Facebook. So like, (laughs) I got a lot of people who know what's going on, but there are people who are close to us who know like on a day-to-day basis what's going on. So that is helpful to me. And it's nice to have people, you know, like I said, I have this girlfriend in California who's going through the same thing right now. And so I have someone that I can text at any given moment to be like, well, here's my account, what's your account? Like, what did you do when you went on this? We're like comparing what drugs we're taking and all sorts of things. So I know what my support system is. So when I am having a moment, if I need someone, I know where to go. I know who I can contact. I know who understands things the most. And honestly, like knowing, you know, my spouse, like my husband, he's obviously, he's totally invested in this but he doesn't understand the lingo and the vernacular to a great extent because he hasn't been to all of the appointments. Because honestly, I was like, you don't have to come. Like I'm just going and getting data for so many of these appointments. We didn't know if we were going to move forward. So I was like, let me just go get the pamphlets, talk to the doctors, whatever. You don't need to come. And as that happened, like I learned more and more and more. And now I speak the language. Like I totally speak the language of infertility and IVF. And he understands the infertility piece, but specific to IVF, he doesn't speak the language as completely as I do. My girlfriend in California, she speaks the language, big time. So I'm like, if I need someone to talk to, I can text her. So knowing like who's in your support system and who can you contact in different scenarios. So that's super, super helpful and really key. And, you know, especially I'm thinking like of people who have kids changing schools next year. Like who are the other parents in that community that you can reach out to? Are your kids going to be attending school with other parents that you already know? Or who are the other people in your community that you can have contact with? Are there administrators in the school that you can reach out to? Are there families that used to be in the school or have kids older in the school that you can reach out to? So like in any situation, knowing where is your support system before you get there, like know where they are before you need them, because then if you need them, it's super easy. You're not scrambling or panicking, trying to figure things out. You have it like all set up and laid out. And so then it's this very simple, like shooting off an email, a text, a voicemail, to get the support or the information that you need to let someone know. Because people in these kinds of situations, like if you're mentally preparing for a big thing, people want to help you. Whether you're preparing for a new job or a new school or a new career or going back to school yourself – any big life transition, a divorce, a birth of a child, any of these things. People want to be helpers. And so if you ask in advance, like, hey, would you mind being on call for this? People want to do that. Our neighbor down the street is going to have a baby like in the next couple of weeks. And I'm like, oh, please let me pick your kid up from school and like be a helper. I'm thinking like, please don't let it be a same day that I have to go to the doctor. I might have to take your kid to the doctor with me, but which I wouldn't mind at all. I just don't have a car seat for him, but we can figure that out in the moment. But again, like I was so happy when she put me on the email I was like, yes, like I totally want to be a helper. People want to be helpers. People want to be supportive. So make sure you have that support system in place. And then number six, last one is clear the extra stuff out of your life. So as you're anticipating and you know, you're going into this event, whatever it is, or this transition, clear out the extra stuff. So one of my best friends is moving at the end of next week. And so she's like, she's taking the day off on Friday. And she actually has done a couple other things to like line this up. She's moved a ton of stuff into storage in advance from the old house. So it's mostly cleared out. So like the Friday move actually hopefully won't be a huge ordeal. I mean, it's a big ordeal. She's moving two kids and her husband across town. It's always a big deal. But she's done some things to like clear the extra stuff out of her life in advance, which has been super helpful for her. So when you have these big transitions, going on, clear out the extra stuff physically, if you're moving, obviously, like what can you do in advance? But also for me, like I'm unscheduling a bunch of things for the next couple of weeks so that I can be ready to be flexible and be available to be flexible as I need to go to the University of Washington for different tests. I'm also just creating time and space for myself to have time and space. Like if I'm going to feel crappy from these drugs, I might want to lay on the couch sometimes. So I'm not scheduling a lot of meetings. I'm not scheduling a lot of interviews for the podcast. I'm not scheduling a whole lot of extra things and even my normal things I'm not scheduling because I do want to have some time to just be in this situation for whatever the situation is going to require of me. And I also am recognizing like in this situation, the benefit of me being low stress is probably really great. And so, you know, in a situation where you're like changing jobs or you're moving or whatever, like sometimes that's just going to be hectic and chaotic no matter what. But in this situation, like it hormonally will benefit me to not be super high stress. And so I'm trying to keep my schedule mellow. I'm trying to keep my life mellow for the next couple weeks. And so like I just want to do my walks and do my meditations and like just be as chill as I can possibly be. Like take Vinny to the little waiting pool and just splash around and like smile and laugh and whatever. So that's super important. And also by clearing out the extra stuff and unscheduling yourself or rearranging things so that you have this, it gives you the time and the space to focus on what's necessary. So it gives you the time and the space to focus on whatever the event is, to be there in the event rather than just trying to it's so frequent that we just try to get through things and we're not present in them. And so for me, like I really want to be present in this because I think that the likelihood of it working will be much better. Last year, I did two rounds of IUI trying to get pregnant and it was during a super hectic, chaotic, stressful time in my life. And when the second round didn't work, and I've talked about this, I was actually super relieved both times when they didn't work because I was not prepared to be pregnant. But when the second round didn't work, my acupuncturist was like, you're so stressed out. Like your body does not want to make a baby right now. Your body does not want to carry a pregnancy. You're super stressed out. So I am being super aware right now of de-stressing and putting my body in a place where things are just clear and open to. So I know I sound like totally woo woo right now, but I'm wanting to like have that space and calm and peace so that my body can be like, we're ready for this. Like we have time, we have energy, we're good. We can embrace this opportunity to like make some cells, do their thing and all that. So that's number six. So just a quick review, six ways to mentally prepare for anything. Don't be tied to outcomes, plan rewards for all the outcomes, identify the pros and the cons in advance, know your strengths and weaknesses, identify your support system, and then clear the extra stuff out of your life. So those are my tips for you. If you're about to go through a big transition, please let me know. I would love to know what you have on your radar, and I would love to be sending you. While well, you send me your ovarian juju, I'll send you all of my new work juju, or new school juju, or moving juju, or whatever you need. So Let me know if you're going through anything. If this episode has been helpful for you, please share it with other people if you think that they might be inspired by it or find it helpful. As always, you can find us releasing new episodes every Monday and Wednesday. So if you have not listened in the past, please come back and listen to our future episodes. You can find all of our episodes, all 46 episodes before this over at shamelessmom.com. You can also... Find our upcoming episodes and subscribe at shamelessmom.com forward slash review. So, if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review, you can, there'll be a little subscribe button. So, you can do that, and that will allow you to have access to all of our episodes immediately after they're released. So, they will populate right into your podcast application. So, that is super easy. That takes you right into the little iTunes app so that you can get all the episodes as soon as they're released. And they're always released in the middle of the night prior to early Monday morning, prior to early Wednesday morning. So you can have them their first thing when you wake up. And then you can also, when you're over at shamelessmom.com forward slash review, you can leave a five-star review and let me know what you loved about the show today so or what you just love about the show in general. I love your feedback. I read every single review and I'm getting ready to do an episode of just kind of reader like questions, comments, those kinds of things because I've gotten just some really fantastic feedback from people that I want to share and just different stories and what the show was meant to different people. That's been really cool. So if you have anything that you want to add to that, you can just email me directly. You can email me at info at shamelessmom.com. Or if you go to our website at shamelessmom.com, you can contact me through the website. Everything comes right into my inbox. And I would be happy to read if you have a story that you want to share in terms of how this podcast has impacted you. I would love to know. So thank you so much for listening. And if there is anything I can do to help you be more shameless, do let me know. And until next time, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly.
4: Lynn, this time of year, parenting can be such a fluster clucks. You've come to the right place. Anxiety doesn't stand a chance when we're laughing, even about the tough stuff.